Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Today, we're heading south in Poland to the city of Wrocław. This city reflects Austrian, Bohemian, and Prussian influences. It's the fourth largest city in Poland. It's a cultural city boasting many theaters, hosting major festivals, and offering a lively nightlife as more than 130,000 students make their home here while studying at university. Located on the Odra River, this beautiful city includes 12 islands, 130 bridges, and many beautiful green spaces with more than 14 parks and gardens. It's a city that attracts more than 5 million visitors annually. We spent two days here, and we're going to take you through roughly about 10 highlights, more or less, of our stay in the historic city of Wrocław, and help you understand what you can expect to experience if you travel here. And it's interesting because I think back to when we planned this trip, I think at the time, I wasn't familiar with the city at all. And I know that we wanted to end up in Krakow and looking at places along the way, this came up in my reading about Poland. And so we bolted in into our itinerary and uh, very glad we did. Yeah, I actually read some article somewhere that uh, it was a travel article and it talked about this city being like this gem that mm. people don't know about. Yeah, I didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it was a gem. We traveled by train from Poznan to, and I'm not going to say it like my Polish husband does, but Wrocław. There you go. That's, oh, there you go. So we hopped on the train about 9 a.m. and it was just about two hours. And we arrived at this wonderful city. We rode second class. A little tip, you're kind of throwing the dice, but the first class is a car. They they section off these the train, and there's seats that are kind of sectioned off. And first class will have approximately six people in the car, and second class has eight people in the car. Yeah, kind of these compartments. So you're just a little more, there's more people, a little more squished. Yeah. But we got lucky because uh, we didn't have a full car. Yeah, our compartment was uh, not packed and we paid a little bit less. And for two hours, it was just fine. It was a nice ride. Yeah. A very nice ride. So let's get into the uh, highlights of what we saw. Well, we got ourselves to our hotel and we pretty much immediately headed out to start exploring the city. And we went out on Svidnitska Street. And on the corner, as we were coming into the city, we ran across a sculpture of people that were coming out of the ground. It was adults, there were children, and they were literally coming out of the ground. This is a monument to the anonymous passerby. And it represents the period of martial law in communist Poland. 
The monument was created by Yerze Kalina, and it depicts 14 lifelike persons sinking into the ground on one side of the street and emerging out of the ground on the other side. It's noted to be a memorial to citizens who were killed or otherwise went missing during the martial law period of the 1980s. It was installed in December 2005 to mark the 24th anniversary of the restrictive martial law period that lasted from December 1981 until July 1983 with the intention to squash political opposition. That was a really interesting sculpture that we saw absolutely really caught our eye. Caught our eye and mm-hmm. we got some pictures of that and we'll uh throw those up um on the post that's going to accompany this. And from there we ended up heading to the main thing we had on our itinerary the the first afternoon we were there which was to visit the market square or as it's known in Polish the Rynek of Wrocław. So when you head to the center of the city You're going to arrive in this large market square, and it is the second largest market square in all of Poland. It sits just behind the size of the square in Krakow, and that one is Europe's largest medieval town square. So this this one is huge. Mm -hmm. When we arrived, vendors lined the route leading up to the square, and within the square itself, there's a great collection of beautiful architecture, historic buildings, Restaurants, pubs, churches, and lots of people. It is one of the grandest market squares in all of Europe. And uh, I think I'd recommend starting your visit in the city by immersing yourself into the square because there's so much happening there. Yeah, I think in uh, Europe that is very, very common to have a central market square in these larger cities. Even in the small cities, I think there's always gathering places. Yeah. So this one was just massive. Yep. On the east side of the square is the old town hall. It was once a residence for King Augustus II, the Strong, and it bears the name Podpolskim Królem, which means under the Polish king. It's a two-story Gothic building that was built over a period of 250 years between the 13th through 16th centuries. And over the centuries, the building has sustained a lot of damage though today it's currently restored to its former glory. And through the years, this town hall has hosted many important historical events and honored guests. Within the town hall, you'll find the City Museum of Wrocław. Also in the cellar of the building is one of the oldest restaurants in all of Europe. It's the legendary Pivnica Svidnitska, which was established in the year 1273. And that makes it the third oldest Polish business that still survives in the country. Wow. One of the things that was discovered, now I discovered it through my husband, that there are little dwarf statues. They are called Krasnale in Polish, and they're scattered all throughout the city. And I had, as we were walking through, I definitely immediately started looking for tiny little dwarf statues. And there is one in particular, the first one, that I think we were trying to uh, find, and it escaped us that first day. And we found it later, I think, Mm -hmm, on the second mm -hmm. day. When you see one, you take a picture, you get all excited, and then it's like you're addicted. You're walking around the city, 
and you just want to find these little statues. I do anyway. I was annoying the holy moly out of your mother because I kept looking for these little statues and she was getting annoyed with me. Yeah, I don't see. How could you not? I mean, you, you see one and then you see another one. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, and, and they all look different from each other. They're all unique. Yeah. And then it just becomes this adventure of looking for them. And, and part of the thing that makes it an adventure is they're not always obvious in front of you. So, yeah. And that's, yeah. I wish I had known that. I think at one point I looked up and I actually saw one on a pole somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, Oh, they could be anywhere. Don't look just on the ground. Yeah. They're all over the place. Yeah, because we started, the first few that we saw were at ground level. So we were looking at ground level initially. Yeah. But they're everywhere. There are now nearly 600 that are scattered throughout the city, and they're all different. This tradition began with a single dwarf figurine that commemorated the mascot of the Orange Alternative Protesters, who were opposers of the 1980 communist regime. That was the one we were looking for, and we passed it up the first time. We just weren't sure about it. But when the police covered anti-regime slogans, the Orange Alternative group would paint dwarfs graffiti style on the spots covered up by the police. And at one point, the city was marked with 1,000 of these graffiti dwarfs throughout the whole land or the whole city there. The first of the current dwarves was installed in 2001 on Svidnitska Street, where we started out. And that is where a majority of the group's, shall we call it, shenanigans took place. Every one of them in the current time that we live in is implanted with a GPS because it's very expensive for somebody to create these. So if they're stolen, mm-hmm. which I could see, you know, somebody saying, ooh, let's, let's steal one. More shenanigans. More shenanigans. Yeah. That they know where to find these dwarves. There's also, it gives a way to tourists. If they know the GPS coordinates, that they can, it helps them find the dwarves. So there's apparently there's something that you, you can, can get, find their GPS coordinates. Yeah, you can get maps today, yeah. like in tourist shops there, and they'll help you uh, spot all the dwarfs if you want to spend your time looking for 600 of them. Yeah, no, no I wouldn't do 600, but I, I found it more fun just like walking around the city and just mm-hmm. spotting them. Yep. There is a dwarfs festival that takes place in the city every year, and that happens in September. Yeah, so that should be a whole lot of fun if you happen to be in Wrocław in September. The next thing we have on our list is Ostrov Tumski, and we had an Ostrov Tumski on our last episode in our prior city, but there's a cathedral island in Wrocław as well, and we ventured over here to see the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist. This is just across the Odra River from the main Old Town section. We went inside the cathedral, and this um, it was super dark when we were in there. Most of the side chapels had old pieces of art, and we learned that during World War II, this cathedral was over 70% destroyed. We saw pictures that showed the extent of the destruction. It was rebuilt in 1951 and today appears as it would have prior to the war. Unfortunately, though, much of what was previously inside the cathedral has been lost. But there are paintings, artworks, um, you know, ornate chapels. Old artwork. Yeah. And uh, when we were in here, because it was so dark, you decided you were going to turn on your flash. What do you 
mean I decided to? I was well, I being rebellious. There were yeah, because there was some signage or some there was some direction somewhere about said no flash. About no flash. I think. I do not recall such a thing. Yeah, and at one point, my mom and I were someplace else. You were by yourself. And you started flashing, probably taking photos of things. A priest walks by, didn't say anything. But then this little nun approaches me and my mom and in her not so sweet way, basically (laughs) tells us to get out. So did the priest go get the nun? You know, I don't know. (laughs) I I bet you the priest didn't care. (laughs) But before we got out, we did take um, a walk up to the bell tower. So this was 40 steps up. And then took an elevator to get to the very top of the bell tower. And up there, you'll see incredible views of the city. So we took some photos there. You probably more than I, because I do have this thing with heights. So I was probably hugging yeah. the wall. Yeah, I told you I would take, yeah. take some pictures. So thank you for the photos. We have those as well, too. So that's wonderful. There was a monument of Mary outside the cathedral, which itself was over a thousand years old. And this monument escaped destruction during World War II. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that was interesting is during our time there, there was an archdiocesan museum on the premises. And you and I took a tour of Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And... The things that we saw in there... Amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. It was one of the most impressive things that I think we saw during our travels in Poland. There was statues and paintings, some of the exhibit items going back to the 1200s. And unfortunately, half of the museum that we toured, we weren't allowed to take photos. Mm -hmm. So we just basically have the memory of touring that. But there was like a second part where whoever was overseeing that became more lax about the no photo restriction. So we do have photos from part of the trip. The thing that's unfortunate is I learned that today this particular museum is permanently closed. And I haven't done all of the research, but I have to imagine with all of the artifacts and the ancient items that were in there, they've got to be moved somewhere else. Yeah. For people to be able to see, because there was so much in there. I'm mean, oh. just museum quality items. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Yeah, and it's another one of those, I think, reminders of if you ever want to see something, don't always have the thought that it'll be there tomorrow. Because we've talked about other things on this podcast as well, where something's been available to see at one point, and the next thing you know, it's mm-hmm. closed. Yep. And, you know, so take the opportunities to see things when you can. Because uh, nothing is guaranteed to be there tomorrow. Let's move on to our next stop, which is the Odra River. Water is almost everywhere in the city. And it is actually called, the city is actually called the Venice of the North. There are over 118 bridges in the city that enable people to navigate over the waterways. I mean, you have to have that because there's so many waterways. And in fact, in all of Europe, there are only two cities that have more bridges, and that is Venice and Amsterdam. You can enjoy drinks at a number of the beach bars on the water that surrounds the Odra River. You can also ride the river on kayaks or boats, which is what we did, not a kayak, Mm -hmm. but we took a boat on the river, and it was stunningly beautiful. It was just one of the pictures that I put on the wall was from that boat ride. Yeah, we were there on a, it was a beautiful 
sunny day. The skies were blue. There were some clouds, and the clouds reflected in the water. And yeah, we just gorgeous. got some beautiful pictures. Yeah. So the boat ride was about a ninety-minute boat ride, and it was very relaxing. Yeah. Just slow paced, and you sat and just enjoyed the scenery. It was just, it was very nice. Also, we mentioned the bridges in the city, and one of the most famous is the Tumski Bridge, which connects the Ostrov Tumski and the Vispa Piaskova. It's one of those things I'm learning. Mm -hmm. Forgive me, but it's kind of fun to say. Today, this bridge is open to only pedestrians. It has the nickname of Lover's Bridge and Cathedral Bridge, and when we visited, the bridge was full of love locks that were left by lovers as a memory of their feelings for one another. And there were so many locks. An important part of the ritual was to throw the key of the lock into the river. I can't imagine how many keys are down below in that river. Hundreds, I mean oh, thousands. There were so thousands. many locks. Yeah. There were so many locks. But today... Most of the padlocks have been removed due to the concern about the weight that it's adding to the bridge. The lock cleanup also made it easier for you to actually view the water. I was glad we saw it. Mm -hmm. So that was another thing that we got a chance to see before it was changed. There is a dwarf at one end of the bridge, and it has the story about the bridge on it. And this is one of the bridges that you can cross over to get to the city's cathedral. Yep. The next place that we have is the Ratswavice Panorama, and I hope I'm saying that correctly. This is a building in the round that has inside a massive in-the-round painting that we were hopeful to see. So the day that we came here, we made our way to the building, but upon attempting to get tickets for what is a half-hour show, we learned that the next show would have been a two-hour wait and with my mom accompanying us, who is elderly, uh, that seemed to be too long of a wait. So we passed on the show. We were able to see a documentary in the uh, waiting area about what was inside. And it absolutely looked like it would be fantastic to see. If you visit Wrocław, one tip I would have for this particular exhibit is do plan to get your tickets for this one in advance. Inside you'll see a 360-degree depiction of two significant war periods with Russia, as well as a memorial to one of the most legendary uprisings in Polish history. The year 1894 commemorated the 100-year anniversary of the Battle of Ratswavice, which was a Polish uprising against the Russian invasion. And on this occasion of the anniversary, a gigantic cyclical panorama was painted and installed in the city of Wolf to commemorate the battle. And that painting was brought to Wrocław after World War II. This panorama spans 375 feet around and depicts the peasant army wielding scythes and doing battle against Russian forces whom they defeated. And it has a, a very special place in Polish history. It captures the chaos and heroism of the peasant uprising and this panorama is a unique way to experience the history. You can see it today, although during the communist period in the country, the Soviet government kept it closed for 40 years as they didn't endorse promoting uprisings against Russia. So it was reopened in 1985, and it's a star attraction in the city today. 
One other way that you can see the city, and it's a, it's a nice way to see the city, is to take a tour. We saw a lot of advertising on tours when we were in the Market Square, so we decided one afternoon we were going to book a two-hour electric cart tour. That saved us a lot of walking. It was a very hot day, and we were shown sights and saw places we wouldn't have seen on our own if we were just traveling on foot, plus the explanations that went with it. So that's always a plus when you get the tour explaining what these certain sites are. Another site that we saw on the tour was a place called Centennial Hall. This is a building that is listed by UNESCO as a World Heritage Site. We always love to be a part of these different sites and be able to see them. It was originally built between 1911 and 1913 when the area was under German rule and it was designed by the architect Max Berg. Inside this circular central space, it can seat nearly 6,000 people. The building is known for its pioneering work of engineering and as a landmark work for reinforced concrete architecture. With a cupola made of reinforced concrete that spans 226 feet in width, this was the largest building of its kind on earth at the time of its construction. The hall features a visitor center open from Thursday to Sunday between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for a very small entrance fee. Just outside the hall's main entrance is an attraction called the Pergola, which is a multimedia fountain. And we spent some time watching the show, accompanied with some music through the park speakers, as the water projected up to 40 meters high in height and over 300 nozzles that rotated, gyrated, pulsed. This was all done with color and it was fun. It was a relaxing moment to just sit there and kind of relax and watch this beautiful show. And some nights you can see fireworks and laser shows outside here as well. It's one of the only fountains of its type in the world. The water show runs between May through September. It's hourly and it starts at 10 a.m. So if you make your way down here, you'll also be close to several other notable city attractions that we didn't explore, but you can, including the Wrocław Zoo and the Japanese Garden. Next on our list is the Basilica of St. Elizabeth in Wrocław. So we visited this church. It's in the Market Square area, and it's one of the oldest churches in the city. Its history also dates back to the 12th century, like several other things we've already spoken about. Over the centuries, it's endured significant events, including hail damage, more destruction during World War II, and the mysterious fire in 1976. It's another church where you can reach a tower, but you're going to have to earn that opportunity after you climb about 300 steps through a narrow, twisting stairwell. And when we went inside, because I'm always looking for organs and instruments, I um, was looking around and I didn't see an organ anywhere when we visited. And I thought that was really unusual for a church of this size for a basilica. And we learned that there had been an 18th century pipe organ inside the church. However, in that mysterious fire that I mentioned in 1976, that historic organ was completely destroyed. 
And it turns out that since our visit, the pipe organ has been reconstructed. So if you visit St. Elizabeth's Basilica, you might see when there's an organ concert scheduled so you can take a listen to the new instrument. All right, let's move on to the next thing. As we had mentioned, the city is a university town. It has more than 20 universities in the city hosting, get this, more than 130,000 students. One of the universities that you can visit is the Wrocław University Museum. Inside are several exhibition halls that cover the university's achievements surrounded in Baroque-style architecture. There's also an oratorium dating back to 1733, which is a magnificent music hall. And this university was founded in 1670 by the Jesuits. And since the beginning of the 20th century, it's produced nine Nobel Prize winners. So there's a piece of trivia. So that's about 10 highlights of things that we saw. I think one of them that we, we tried to see. And after all of that walking around, you Lots might get walking. might get hungry. So let's talk about food in Wrocław. Uh, yes. yeah? So food in Poland was absolutely amazing. The milk bars were questionable, but maybe there was a better one. But. Yeah, but we had great experiences everywhere else. And one of the places that worked out well for us was here in the city. And so we got a recommendation from that tour guide that you mentioned who drove us around on the golf cart, and he recommended a place just outside the perimeter of the market square where he said you'll you'll get some food for a little bit less money. And so we ate at a and place... good food. Yeah, we ate at a place called Corna Chata. This was a restaurant where inside there was this old tavern feel, and the menu here was, it was one of the best that we saw during our travels in Poland. We all started out with soup, and we got borscht with dumplings, Inside the dumplings was mushrooms and cabbage, and I was expecting like a modest cup of soup, mm-hmm. and out comes like th- this massive bowl. It, it almost seemed like the pot somebody would be cooking the soup in. It was the most soup I've ever been served in my life, and it was wonderful. And each one of us got a yeah. got a size that much, and we had ordered this to start our meal. Yeah. So the soup itself almost felt like a like a full meal. And then I had potato pancakes here with forest mushrooms, and you had the largest gawampki I've ever seen in my life. Yes, I, I remember that. And it had groats and mushrooms in it, and it was delicious. Yeah, I, I remember that one to this day. Yeah. So memorable. I had a bite of yours. Yes, you it did. It was wonderful. You can also partake in so many different types of drinks there, drinks that are you can't find here in the States. Or we haven't found in the States. Not where we live. Yeah. So there's something called infusions. And mine had an infusion of apples, grapes, spinach, cucumber, and honey in it. And it was was absolutely delicious. And so all these things are just infused in the liquid. And the flavor is is powerful. It's just like it really just hits your palate so huge and it was just so enjoyable yeah i think i mean here we get drinks that are kind of like that but they're all like blended together and so they're kind of thicker like like a juice bars this is like done a totally different way there it's much lighter i think in terms of texture but so flavorful 
the same place that you were just talking about, I had this mint infusion that had lime juice, cinnamon, mint, honey. And it was just so wonderful. And I'd love to be able to replicate that. And maybe one of these days we'll find um, Polish YouTube or something that can tell us how they make their infusions in Poland. Because oh, sure like, kind of like you said, I haven't seen that made quite that way here in the States. Yeah. And Given that this is a university town, this might be the explanation for one of the things we saw. So you and I took a walk one day from our hotel, and instead of going toward the market square, we went behind the hotel. And next thing you know, we're walking by block after block after block, where each block had probably about at least a dozen of these very small pubs. It was pub, 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 pub pub mm -hmm. you'd cross the street and the same thing you'd cross the street and the same thing and I've, I've never seen so many consecutive different places to drink anywhere and again I, I have to imagine it's because it's a university town that's it's probably a section that caters to uh, evening libations after rigorous afternoons of study <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, it, there was so many though. I mean, I I remember thinking, how how can they survive? They're all next to each other and students. I students love to right. drink their beer. You must be right. And if you like to drink beer, you're gonna find a plethora of choices to uh, fill your palate when you're mm -hmm. in Wrocław. All right, let's talk about lodging. One of the things that you do, which I think is brilliant, is to find our lodging so we don't have to constantly take a taxi or get in a car to reach our lodging. So you pick these places that are close to wherever our transportation is coming from, whatever train we're getting off of. And this particular hotel was just a 10-minute walk from the train station. And also a pretty quick walk to the Market Square, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the pluses for these bigger cities is because there's so much available. Mm -hmm. So I applaud you for being so smart. It's what I do. Yes. So why don't you talk about the hotel? Yeah. So we stayed at a place called the Skandik Wrocław Hotel. It has a wonderful location. It's located on the main boulevard. So there is a little bit of street noise, uh, which you might hear depending on which side of the hotel your room is located on. Breakfast here was a little bit more than what we paid at other hotels, but we also found out during our time in Poland that finding a good breakfast or the kind of breakfast you might be used to in the United States is a challenge in the mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, just overall though, the prices you pay with the exchange rate we get from the United States, be it for hotels, be it for food, your money goes so far. Yeah. So even like this hotel, I think the current rates are somewhere like in the $60 a night type mm -hmm. of thing, probably comparable to what we would pay here, $200 right. a night, if not more. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, a, a great value is, is what we found this to be. And with that, let's move into fun facts, Julie. Well, Wrocław loves Jimi Hendrix. Who'd have guess? I never knew until... <laughs> Yeah. researching this episode yeah it was very very interesting even though hendrix himself never visited the city so it's a puzzle here but you can still feel his presence during the annual jimmy festival that has been held in the city for almost 20 years every year thousands of guitar players from poland gather together in the city to play his songs and attempt 
to beat the Guinness World Record for most people playing his 1960 hit song, Hey Joe. This record was broken in Wrocław in 2019 when 7,423 guitarists played Hey Joe together. I have to see if there's a YouTube on that. Oh, that would be awesome. There's got to be one, huh? Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm not familiar if 7,000 guitar players anywhere tried to play any song by anybody. That's a lot of guitar players to get together in yeah, one spot. Yeah, but in Poland, they did it to Hey Joe, so that's mm. that's pretty cool. If you're a Jimi Hendrix fan, Wrocław should be on your list. Another fun fact, at one time, Wrocław was the capital of the state of Silesia, which lost its independence about a thousand years ago. Today, Silesia is a part of Poland, and so you can visit what once was a capital of a place that no longer exists as a country. So that pretty much wraps up this visit of Wrocław. We have one more main city to take you to next time we get together, and that city has so much to discuss, it's probably going to take us a couple of episodes to dissect our travels to Krakow. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we'll be back with you in two weeks. This uh, last go around, we had a whole bunch of things happen here. So we're a little bit off schedule. You got sick. I got Mm -hmm. sick. You got a massive tooth infection, (laughs) had a tooth pulled. (laughs) We did not have the best uh, last couple of weeks. It was rough. It was rough. But we are back in the saddle. We are back in the saddle. All is healthy. I'm, we're, we're working on um, more travels that, so we can bring more to you. So we really hope that you enjoyed this podcast on Wrocław. And we hope to see you back as we visit Krakow. Do widzenia. Do widzenia. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.